0: So the parasha for this week is an interesting parasha. It's called Lech Lecha, which means to go out yourself, or to go. or to. And, and uh, there's so much in the parasha that we could do 20 different messages from it. Uh, it starts out with God calling uh, Abram out to a new area, to Canaan. And, and he takes Lot and his wife. And they go out, and, and so that we could talk about that, and we can talk about Melchizedek, and we can talk about so many things. But I don't believe I've ever had a message from Genesis 16. So that's where we're going to go. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not born him children but she had an Egyptian slave girl. Her name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, look now, Adonai has prevented me from having children. Go, please, to my slave girl. Perhaps I'll get a son by her. Abram listen to Sarai's voice. You can see as we look at this scripture that their names hadn't been changed yet. I believe that happens in the next chapter in chapter 17. So the question is, is is Sarai trusting in God or not trusting in God? Some would say she's trusting in God because she trusted in God so much that she blames God now for her being barren. And others would say she's not trusting God because she is uh, not accepting the fact that God has her good in mind. Either way, God gets blamed. And that's what people do unless you're a mature believer, emotionally and spiritually. We blame God for the things that happen. And I would just say that as we look at Scripture, we should look at Philippians 3.10. It says, My aim is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the sharing of His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, if somehow I might arrive at the resurrection from among the dead. Now, talking about that verse in verse 10, it goes on in verse 12. Now that I have already... uh, Not that I have already obtained this or been perfected, but I press on if only I might take hold of that for which Messiah Yeshua took hold of me. In verse 13 it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as having taken hold of this. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the reward of the upward calling of God and Messiah Yeshua. Therefore, let all who are mature have this attitude. And if you have a different attitude than anything, this also God will reveal to you. So, blaming people is not an acceptable way of dealing with things. And some of you might have blamed others for things that they've done to you in the past. Possibly what they're doing in the present. Maybe at work, you didn't get a promotion. At home, it's, it's your fault that we're always arguing at synagogue, the person said something rude to you and hurt you. And, you know, then we blame them for how we are. We blame them for how we feel. And we, we can't do that. We have to accept that the way we handle ourselves is based on us and not others and, and the circumstances. Now, one of the things that blaming and any negative feeling will do is it can easily cause your thinking to be skewed, and then you will make poor decisions. So, Sarah was probably told by Abram about the promise by God to have a child coming from his body. That's what it said, actually, in in chapter 15, that he was going to, through his body, there would be a child. And maybe she felt guilty and interpreted that to mean that there was something wrong with her. Maybe she blamed God. Well, obviously she blamed God. We read it. Then she said to herself, I know how important it is for Abram to have a son. I mean, we've been promised to have generations. We, we, w- 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 this is our legacy. So I guess God wants me to see that Hagar would be a good choice to have the son of my husband. And that's because she felt the pressure. However, when you feel pressure like that, you are generally not going to make good decisions. You're blinded by blaming, by hurt, and the inability to trust God. So oftentimes, a bad decision, based on our emotional issues, hurts others besides ourselves. So Sarai says to Abram, go please to my slave girl, perhaps... I'll get a son by her. It's easy for us to see what's wrong with that thinking. But put yourself in her shoes. When we feel the pressure of unfulfilled desires, whether they're good or bad, it often leads to bad decisions. Oftentimes, a bad decision comes from that pressure that we feel Abram had just been called righteousness in the previous chapter because he believed in the Lord's promise. How quickly we lose our faith. How quickly Abram had seen the tangible experience of God's promise as a fiery torch passed between the animals that Abram cut And this was a a, a special covenant that the Lord made with Abraham. But it didn't seem to matter. So in verse three, we see: so Sarai, Abraham's wife, took her slave girl Hagar, the Egyptian, after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan. Talk about waiting for prayer to be answered. Ten years. They were praying for a child, at least. Then he, and gave her to Abram, her husband, to be his wife. Now, I find it very interesting, as we talk about the definition of marriage these days, that on one hand, Sarai gave Hagar to Abraham, or Abram, on the other hand, it says here that she became his wife, so yes, he had two wives. But it seems like marriage must have been important, because I, she didn't have to become his wife, right? So just something to think about. Nothing really to do with my message, but just, just something to think about. So. The result of taking things into your own hands rather than waiting on God. Sarai was jealous, hurt. She felt belittled. And when we feel this way, we lash out. And when we lash out, we continue to hurt others. In verse 5, so Sarai said to Abram, the wrong done to me is because of you. You want to think about that one a second? So, whose idea was this whole thing? Sarai, right? But she says to Abraham, the wrong done to me is because of you. I myself placed my slave girl in your embrace. Now that she saw that she became pregnant, so in her eyes I am belittled. May Adonai judge between you and me. Well, I think it's lucky for Sarai that both Abr- Abram and God decided to ignore that, those comments about judging between them. But she certainly put the blame on Abram. So let's see. Let's count these now. First, she blamed God. Now she blamed Abram. Look, Abram was definitely complicit and should have said no to Sarai's plan. But unfortunately, in verse 6, Abram said to Sarai, Look, your slave girl is in your hand do to her what is good in your eyes so not only did he not stop her from her plan but then he takes his wife who's angry hurt blaming everybody she can and lashing out and she and he says hey do what Hagar to Hagar whatever you'd like to do oh my goodness Dude, so it says, so Sarah afflicted her and Hagar fled from her presence. So we see the problems. What are the lessons from this and how do we solve the problem? So here are the the takeaways, I think. Number one, even the people we might revere that we think are amazing in scripture make mistakes and they sin and that's good news for us because we make mistakes and we sin and yet god is willing to overlook that and still use them and he is still faithful which is an amazing thing i think about god Some of you probably feel that God can't use you because of something you've done. And that's a lie from the pit. God wants to use each one of you. He wants you to start today. If yesterday was a bad day, you can't start yesterday anyway, so it doesn't matter. You can only start today. So God wants to use you. The second lesson is to understand how easily we get pressured into sinning. So we must be on guard and look at our desires, our emotions, and our reactions. For if Abram and Sarai can commit great sins, we can too. Think of what God spoke to Cain in Genesis 4-7 about his countenance. It says, if you do well, it will lift, meaning your countenance will lift. But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the doorway. Its desire is for you. But you must master it. And this is God speaking to us. And we have to understand that not only is it easy to be pressured into sinning, but it also is something that sin desires us, the enemy desires us to sin. This is, a, this is a, an attraction. But the third lesson is that when we see something that leads to sin and hurts, how do we not allow it to attack us again? So I'd like to give you an example from my own life. This past week, in fact. Keep it very current. And so my kids are here, they'll sort of understand. Um, we, what we want to do is... Make sure that when we see sin coming, we stop it. So that's what this is going to be about. So last week, Pat and I were going to North Carolina and uh, for Pat to be with her brothers in order to separate out some of uh, her parents' possessions. And one brother lives in Albany, New York, so um, you know Pat and her brothers were finding it hard to get together. And we were supposed to leave on Thursday. But with the closeness of last week's hurricane, we decided that Friday would be better. Then on Wednesday evening, Pat says to me that she decided we couldn't go at all. And the reasons were because of her strong knee pain and the fact that the remnant of the hurricane might be a problem and make a long trip unbearable for her you know Platt, pat is the planner the girl scout ready for every calamity and uh, she followed the storm listened to every report my personality is sort of the opposite let's go whatever happens will happen don't worry about it um now based on those two types of personalities and reactions you can imagine that this was not going to be a good conversation and so, I did my normal, insensitive thing by not giving her concerns value and telling her that she shouldn't worry so much. And then I saw the tensions rising. And I decided to drop it and deal with it after some prayer. So, this is, this is the good news. So, that was Wednesday night. And uh, I decided to wait till I prayed that night, and then I figured I'll do this again Thursday morning. So Thursday morning, I'm ready to speak with Pat. And first I gave value to all her concerns, and I agreed with all her points being valid. Then I explained that I would like to call AAA and other agencies to make sure the roads were clear, that there were no power outages where we were going, and tell her that I would be diligent, if necessary, all day long so that we shouldn't make a decision until after I have done all that work. Finally, I spoke to her about her brothers, and how we haven't seen them in a while. And I spoke about the frailty of life and how it is important to see family when you have the opportunity because you don't know if that opportunity will be taken away from you at a moment's notice. Now, when I did that, in a sense, I was speaking her language because normally that's not what I would be thinking nor saying, but it's definitely her language. And so I uh, raised it, and, and uh, she hadn't considered that thought. And then I left the house. We didn't have any discussion about it. Finally, around noon, she calls me and says, OK, let's go. And what that meant to me, first of all, was I finally did it right. <laughs> I had the opportunity to sin, I saw it coming, I stopped it, I prayed about it, got creative, and then went back later on and realized that because I was giving her value, that when it got to other things she was hearing me, and then unbeknownst to me, In a few hours, she made the decision and said that we would go. So on the way home from the trip from North Carolina, she thanked me for convincing her to go and said other very nice things about me and our relationship. So here's my point of the message, because I've been kind of over in different areas. Real communication at the right time with the right intentions can stop an argument, which can stop sins that develop from an argument, remove hurts, and clear our heads for good and godly decisions. This is what did not happen with Abram and Sarai they might not have had an argument, but they didn't really talk about it either, and they just gave in to doing the wrong things. I need more of this. I think most people need more of this. Our political people and our media and our world needs more of this. Our congregation needs more of this. How many people have I talked to in the past few months who have been offended and hurt by somebody in the congregation. So please remember this point. Real communication. In fact, let me take one step further. The reason I'm talking about real communication is because sometimes it isn't stopping a sin or a fight. Sometimes we just don't talk. Because... We know what's ahead, and so we don't even talk about it. We just put it aside. Real communication at the right time, with the right intentions, can stop an argument, stop sins that develop from an argument, remove hurts, and clear our heads for good and godly decisions. So let's look for a second at Ephesians 4.15. It says this, instead speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all ways into Messiah who is the head. So speaking the truth in love does not mean what so many believers say. You know what they say? They needed to hear the truth. And so I spoke to them in love. And I'm going, I bet they didn't receive it in love. Because they feel the truth was love. And I don't think the scripture is saying that at all. I think we are to speak the truth, but we have to figure out how to do it in love. I did it, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back for a moment because I've done it so wrong so many times. I did it right. I did it right. I spoke in love because I took the time to pray about it. I took the time to consider Pat first. I took the time to consider her needs. This is what love means. And this is what real communication is between two people who love each other. So instead, it says, speaking the truth in love And love takes a lot of work. I'm going to tell you right now. It takes a lot of work. We are to grow up in all ways into Messiah, who is the head. Meaning that Yeshua is our head. So we've got to pray. If we don't pray, we're cutting out our main source of power, our main source of doing it right, our main source of not sinning. So we must go to Yeshua. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the control of the tongue. Those who indulge in it will eat its fruit. We have to choose. We have to choose how we're going to speak. But it's more than that. Because if I just say what I think are nice words, I could have gone to Pat and I could have told her that first evening, here are the reasons we should do what I say. And as soon as I say what I say, you could probably see Pat turning off or getting red and getting angry. Because she knows I wasn't considering her. But life, to bring life into your tongue means that you encourage the other person, that you show the love that you talk about. And so I, I had my, my, my tongue controlled, so to speak, by the Lord. And it was an amazing thing. Yeshua spoke of this in Matthew 12, 36. But I tell you that on the day of judgment, men will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. A careless word is not a bad word, necessarily. A careless word is one that the other person hears As an attack or as not caring or as I haven't put myself in her shoes I mean I have no idea what it feels like to have my knees hurting 24 7 that would cause me to feel like I can't even walk so unless I get there somehow it's gonna be very hard for Pat to hear me on anything else So your communication to God is just as important as your communication to people We know how important it is that God's words created and you and I with our words and our communication also create We just have to figure out whether we are creating something that is encouraging and edifying and building up, or we are creating something that is, in effect, tearing down the one that we say we love. So as I'd like to close with how we came to faith. You and I came to faith because of our words. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We confessed with our mouth, Yeshua is Lord. And we believed it in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And so we were redeemed. We were saved. Our sins were atoned for. For with our heart, we believed and just like Abram, he was righteous. With our mouth, we confessed our belief. And it was for salvation. As it talks about in James, I believe, don't let the same water be used for both the good and the bad. You shouldn't get this different type of water. It's, we are to bring sweetness from our hearts, to our minds, to our lips. Because communication, at the right time, yeah, uh uh-oh, right, with the right intentions. And that's really important, the right intentions. Because the right intentions means that you're thinking of the other person rather than yourself. It'll stop an argument, it'll stop the sin that usually comes out of an argument, it will remove hurts and clear our heads for good and wise and godly decisions.